Welcome to the Love Raising Us podcast. My name is Erin Flood, and I'm so happy that you're with us. The Love Raising Us podcast is a podcast created for women with a desire to grow individually, learn within a supportive community, and positively impact the world around them. Yes, we're going to do all this great work while we finish the messy job of raising us. The focus of today's podcast is wellness and sharing our story. I think one of my favorite parts about this conversation with Kristen is that it really brings to light the fact that we are nothing without our health and that although I think resilience is an overused term, we can really find um, a new sense of self when we allow ourselves to be resilient Um, and advocate for ourselves in difficult circumstances. So enjoy, Kristen. Um, It really warmed my heart to have this conversation, and I hope that um, you feel the same relaxed, content sense of self after listening to her story that I did. My guest today is Kristen Wojan, and... She is an old friend of mine that I'm so happy to connect with again. And I told her that she somehow has found the um, fountain of youth because I feel like as I'm getting older, (laughs) she's like frozen at like 18 or 21, my last of my last um, vision of her. So Kristen, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. It's so good to see you. um, And I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And thank you for the nice compliment. Yes. Likewise. Well, well, well. <laughs> um, okay. So we're just, we have tight time today, so we're going to jump right into it. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, just with the roles and the titles that you hold in your life. Yeah. So, um, I am a mother, I'm a marketer, I'm a yogini, um, I'm a friend, I am, um, you know, a family member. I am someone who lives fully and completely. And I like to sort of see myself as someone that can be a whatever title, someone who needs me to be, to be in that time. And I'm a, I'm a teacher too. Yeah. I love all those descriptors. Yeah. Um, and if you would have to use just to describe the essence of you without those roles or titles, which I know is kind of a challenge, but how would you describe yourself? Well, I feel deeply. Um, I'm, I am a feeler. I'm a free spirit. I am someone who, um, leads with heart and someone who, um, gives more than they seek to receive. And, I think for all those reasons, um, you know, I, I, I like to think I embody love. So well, like, well said, gosh, well, I am a marketer, so yeah, Yeah, but I feel like the yoga, like I want to be like, okay, now tell me what pose to go into after you gave it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We could maybe do a little session after this. Um, okay. So, um, today, one of the things that we're going to talk about is something that you have been vocal about over, I think about the last year, at least since I've um, seen it. And that is your diagnosis, um, with Lyme's disease. Yeah. And, um, I'm so curious and anxious to learn 
about your experience, because I think it's something that so many people, um, after kind of quietly struggling with health conditions, finally realize like, how do we miss this diagnosis that it's, that it's limes. And I think it's, um, something that people are, and I'll let you speak to this, but are, um, becoming more aware of as a something that, um, doctors need to pay more attention to, right. And test readily for. So tell us a little bit about like, how did this start? What were you feeling? Just tell us a little bit about your journey to a diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so it's been, you know what, actually, um, two years, um, this month, And, um, for a really long time, I, you know, I had never really even known anyone that, that had Lyme disease. I I had a couple people here and there that were like, yeah. And I always kind of just envisioned it as, you know, you get bit by a tick, you, you know, you see the ring and it's a super quick, you know, almost like you've got the flu or, you know, you've got uh, strep throat. Um, so, you know, reflecting back, I, um, right at the height of COVID starting. So, you know, the, the very, very, very beginning of 2020, I, uh, took a trip with some old friends of mine and we came back and it happened to be the the weekend we were flying back happened to be the weekend that suddenly like that Monday, everything shut down. Right. So there were people on our flights back that were wearing masks and we were like, what are these masks? And it was, it was very sort of, um, otherworldly and got back. And of course, you know, like most people, when you travel, you feel a little bit, you know, icky when you get home, right. Cold flu, whatever it might be, your throat's scratchy, you've been off your schedule. So I was feeling that for a little bit um, and, you know, quickly bounced back from that, but I couldn't shake the fatigue part of how I was feeling. And, um, you know, everyone was like, is it COVID? Is it not? And I'm like, um, you know, I, I actually think, and I don't want to talk about COVID on this podcast really, but like I, I went to an urgent care and I was like, Hey, do I have this thing? And he was like, uh, I don't think so. And, you know, they wouldn't even test me. This was, this was like March, 2020. So, um, no one really knew much about it. And so I couldn't, I couldn't shake the fatigue and it was a challenging time. Um, you know, and I was starting to kind of second guess myself because I was feeling so fatigued, but also at the same time, both kids were home. The daycare was shut down. Both kids were home. I was in a really stressful situation at work. Um, trying to figure out how we were going to bounce back from, you know, the impact that COVID had on the economy and on whatever. And so in the back of my head, I was like, you know, I think I'm just really stressed out. Like, I think this is just, this is all of this. And um, so I let it, you know, go for maybe like a month. And then I started to notice that, you know, fatigue was turning into flat out exhaustion, um, and I was experiencing sim- like, um, neurological symptoms that I had never experienced before. And so, you know, numbness, tingling in what started in my hands eventually moved to like this entire arm. Um, was it constant Kristen or just 
came and went or it was, it was pretty much constant. It would, you know, there were times I, you know, how it is, right? Like when you're distracting yourself with something else, you kind of forget about something. Yeah. So, but it was pretty much constant. Um, uh, weird symptoms in my toes. Um, you know, all of this, this stuff married with like, you know, I would lay down on the couch and be like, Oh, I'm just gonna like close my eyes for 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden, like five hours would pass. And so, um, eventually I was able to make, you know, no one was seeing people in person at that time. So I was eventually able to make an appointment, um, with someone who, you know, recommended I go get a bunch of blood tests. None of them included Lyme disease. So, you know, thyroid tests, endocrine tests, like the whole gamut, right? Like what sort of, you know, do you have lupus? Do you have, what sort of autoimmune thing is going on with you? And did all of that. They all came back. Okay. Nothing was going away. And so I happened to be, you know, I, um, walk my dog all the time. So I happened to be, you know, taking a dog walk and I called a friend and she was like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, man, like, I just like, I can't shake it. And at this point it was May. So it'd been like three months. Um, I can't shake it. And she was like, you know, I was thinking like, maybe you should ask them to add Lyme disease to your panel. And I'm like, really? Like what? It's been winter in Wisconsin. Like why on earth would I do that? I I never found a tick. Like, and she was like, well, you know, it just reminds me of someone else. Just, just do it. And I was like, okay. So I did. And sure enough, um, you know, within a week it came back and, um, and there I was positive for Lyme disease. And so, um, and is the blood, sorry to interrupt, is the blood test like that is the way to test for it? Like that is yeah, that yeah. So okay. it's a it's a blood test. And oftentimes, um, you know, there's only a certain number of facilities in the country that actually like do this test. Mm. So it takes a little bit to to get the results back. It's not like, oh, you know, are you pregnant or whatever, yeah, right? Right. 15 minutes. A little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but the blood test is how they they find out. And so, um, I, you know, had a couple of consultations virtually with the doctor at the time who put me on antibiotics. I ended up having to double down on antibiotics two or three more times after that, just because the symptoms still weren't going away. Um, and in, you know, and then I realized, wow, no one really thinks about this. Like no one understands it's not even top of mind for, physicians who are right. specializing in internal medicine. Um, and that's a bummer. What, so can you help us understand like what, so what happens? Do they think you were bit by a tick and then it's the, it's a bacterial infection. Is it what happens? There's so much, there's so many different, um, perspectives out there yeah. and, you know, different experiences that people have in order to keep it tight and just kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, you'll, you'll remember that I didn't describe myself as a doctor in my titles. So anything, by the way, anything I say, you know, no one please use this as like a medical diagnosis. Yeah. yeah, Right. Opportunity. We're good. But like, um, you know, ticks carry a lot of other bacteria. And so, um, since I never found a tick and I never found the rash that comes with a tick, Um, there were kind of two hypotheses and I'm not sure if we'll ever really know which one is true that, you know, maybe I got bit and I just, some people don't present with a rash. So everyone should know that sometimes if you get bit by a tick, some people just don't get 
the, the ring, um, which is why if you're experiencing any sort of weird symptoms, if you don't have it, you know, it's really important to, um, just to ask. And then the other is, you know, it's one of those weird diseases where, um, it can kind of lie dormant for a while. And so, you know, one of the things that they thought is maybe, you know, maybe this happened a really long time ago and, I didn't notice it at that time and I didn't have a rash at that time. And I, I wasn't presenting with any symptoms. And then the stress mm-hmm. of all of everything these. that I was just describing that was happening at the time, kind of like unearthed it. Um, so, you know, the, the, the thing about ticks is that, like I said before, they carry a lot of different bacteria. So one of the biggest things that you need to make sure of is that, you know, if you are getting treated for this, that you're using broad spectrum antibiotics that can kill as many, you know, types of bacteria as possible because every tick is different. Um, and there are some that can, you know, impact the nervous system more. There's some that impact the circulatory system more there's, you know, um, but there's not a ton of like publicized Western medicine research on, on it because it's such a strange condition. So Okay. So then that brings me to, and I mean, not to get real in the weeds here, but I hear like the double dose of antibiotics. Now, when I had like all my appendix and infection, yeah. and all that stuff, like, I mean, I was on IV antibiotics for a month, so I know what that does <laughs> to your system and all the other things that it, um, complicates for lack of a better word. I mean, stuff that three years later, I'm still trying to come out from like my gut is my gut is not healed. My, you know, when you, when you are destroying the yucky bacteria, you're destroying the good bacteria too, you know, totally that your body needs. And that takes like, you know, there's other impacts of, of all of that. So now you're on these heavy antibiotics and like, and then what? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I'm sure you can relate, right. We, as women tend to kind of just like tackle a problem and then move on because we have all of these other titles that we hold. Right. So even when you're, you are on, you know, like in a life or death situation, like you were right. Like you're thankful that you made it through, you solve it. And then you're like, all right, what's next on the list. Yeah. Um, and so that I think I was doing, I, I kind of forgot about it, to be honest, Aaron. Like I, I like, I was like, all right, well that sucked, but you know, I seem to be okay now. And it wasn't until a whole year later when I was doing a bunch of reflecting on, you know, what, what have I changed about the way that I approach my lifestyle sense this and what can I do to, you know, the timing was perfect, right. To kind of be doing this reflection. What can I do to make sure that like more people talk about this because, um, I would never want, and again, you know, it's not as though I was on my deathbed, but I would never want anyone to, to, you start to kind of question your sanity a little bit when you're like, why totally. am I feeling like this? And no one can tell me why. And you know, it's just, yeah. it's a very strange feeling. And so, um, I think what I, started to become more intentional about was, you know, um, not, and again, everyone disclaimer, I'm not a nutritionist either. So I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. Um, but juicing and whole vegetables and whole fruits and, 
um, the benefit of, you know, reducing inflammation through, through that, you know, Lyme disease is, you know, inflammatory to a certain degree. And so, um, that healing my gut through that, right. Which I'm sure you can relate. So, um, kefir and, uh, really sort of like nutrient dense foods, um, water, you know, of course I did my fair share of like other fun remedies to, to cope. Um, but you know, it was really also at that time that I began to find, um, more sort of a passion for two types of three types of movement, right. I've, I've been a yoga teacher for a really long time. So like yoga has always been a part of my life, although it's come in fits and starts, but one being strength training, which I know you can relate to. Right. And so like building muscle mass and keeping your bones healthy and really feeling like this, um, this need to like demonstrate strength and, and to cultivate that. So, so, you know, hit workouts and all of that fun stuff that paired with like low impact movement through walking, um, and running, which isn't low impact. And so, to come all the way full circle. Right. So a year later I was doing this reflecting and I was like, what can I do to, you know, raise awareness for this to, and to kind of like honor the journey that, you know, I felt like I had been through and my body had been through with, by demonstrating and exercising some strength. So I started a fundraiser, you know, two years ago, May, where, um, I had a goal to run a hundred miles in the month of May. Um, and I did that like by the skin of my teeth and it was really challenging, but it was a great way to kind of like remind myself that I could do it. Um, and so, um, yeah, I guess going back to, you know, what then it's really, how can you make sure that every day, this is what I like to think, right. That every day I'm honoring the journey that my body's been through and appreciating this vessel that I have and not taking it for granted, um, and moving it. Yeah. I relate so much. So when you said it was like, you were in my head and I've never thought about it that way, but like, I had a need to demonstrate strength. I still do. Like I need to every day prove to myself that like, I am strong. I am capable. It is okay. Like I have what it takes. In fact, I was feeling kind of off last week and um, like, it makes me emotionally even think about it, but I was like, said to myself in my head, and you're actually the first person I'm saying this out loud to, I was like, it just felt like this like thing was happening again. And it like freaked me out because if it happens, like if this hernia ruptures that I have, I'm going to have to have surgery again. Um, which the likelihood of them getting like a bowel obstruction is like really high and whatever. So it's fine. But like, again, it's the thought to like going back to the hospital, another surgery, whatever. And I like looked at myself in the mirror and was like, you did it before you can do it again. Yes. And there's something in like the physical, like physically feeling strong that Mm -hmm. makes me mentally able to say, you did it before. If you have to, you can do it again. Absolutely. And you you will figure your way out of that. Just like you found your way out of the last one. 
Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I, I, um, I love what I really love about what you said is that, um, well, first of all, yay. Like, I'm so glad you feel like that. But what I really love about what you said is that, you know, I, I do feel like, um, you know, in yoga, we say, you know, we practice yoga so that we can live our yoga. Right. But, but it's really, that's not just yoga. That's, that's, that's anything. Right. And so everyone, like everyone has their own version of mind, body connection of spiritual connection of things that remind us that we are strong enough and that we are capable enough. Like, so if we show up for this, we can handle whatever the world throws at us outside of, you know, that hour or that 45 minutes or that 30 minutes or that 15 minutes that we take to, um, to move. And, and, um, I think strength is something that, you know, if you can express it internally props, if you can find a way to leverage your ability to express it externally and in your body as a way to build up even more internal strength, then, um, you know, that's, I, I hate the word resiliency, but, you know, I think that, I think it's more than just resiliency, it's courage yeah. and, um, and it's showing up for yourself. So yeah. I'm so happy for you that, that, um, you have that outlet. I am so, so happy for you that you have that outlet. Thank you. Thanks. Me too. And the other thing that, okay. So I want you to just talk to us a little bit about, because, um, like, Lyme says it's, it's not like it ever goes away, right? It's just dormant sometimes within your, like it be, it, does it behave like an autoimmune? It does. And so, you know, there's, there's some long lasting impacts that are really poorly understood. And actually, you know, this conversation has prompted me to, um, think about revisiting all of that, because Mm -hmm. like we said before, as women, we kind of just like, you know, I'm raising awareness for this. And then I, you know, I realized the other day, someone asked me about it and I'm like, wow, like I actually haven't done anything to, to check in and see if I'm managing it. And so right now I don't have any physical symptoms, um, that I'm aware of. Uh, but you know, the body can do crazy things. And so, and you know, there's, there's spectrums of severity of it, right. You can have you can have just like a quick little hit and you can, you can be stuck with, with, um, with that for a, a really long time. And so, um, I, it's on my checklist of things to kind of get back to, all right, you know, what does long-term management look like for something like this after I've gone through a couple of rounds of like, you know, short-term treatments? Um, yeah. So, but that is true. It It's, it's, uh, you know, it's something that, that you kind of always have. Um, and yeah, and, and, and that's okay. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, before we press record, you mentioned that, um, this diagnosis actually kind of changed the trajectory of your career. Can you just hit on that a little bit? And then I want to talk about yoga as well. Yeah. Um, so you know, I've spent, I've spent my career in marketing and marketing communications and, um, I've had, you know, really great fortune and I've been super blessed with the ability to, you know, share my talents and be part of organizations like that, a bunch of organizations that are, that are really successful. And so when I, 
was diagnosed with Lyme disease. I was working in, you know, for a really big brand here in the Milwaukee area in manufacturing. Um, and I got a phone call, you know, later on that year. And, um, I had kind of, you know, gone through this whole journey and become more conscious about movement and lived firsthand as a mom, you know, telehealth lives firsthand as a patient telehealth. So I got a phone call that was like, Hey, you know, do you want to leave your cushy corporate gig? Do you want to come join this startup? like, what's the startup? And they're like, well, it's in, it's in healthcare. And I'm like, oh, I've never done that before, which, you know, one of the things about me is that I love new challenges. I love, um, you know, I don't like to stay comfortable for too long. Um, so it was intriguing in that way. And then, you know, I learned more about what the, the opportunity was and it was for a medical device that, um, you know, really supports and powers, um, the capability to treat people with chronic conditions while they're at home. So in the height of, you know, all these people, hospitals being, you know, uh, you know, at max capacity, aging population wanting to stay at home, you know, as they transition into the next phase of their life and um, just more and more people wanting to receive care at home. Um, it, it was a great business opportunity, but it was also really meaningful to me because I was like, wow, I can, you know, share what I, what my talents are for an organization that is really help helping people deal with much, you know, much more severe conditions than Lyme disease. Right. But helping people deal with chronic conditions. Um, and that feels like the perfect marriage between what, you know, what I get paid to do and something that would allow me to give back and to, you know, to really work for some, you know, work in an organization that had a meaningful mission and vision. And so I made that switch. Um, I've since made another switch to another organization um, called Wheel that is really, you know, an, a platform that powers virtual care, that powers telehealth and provides solutions for both um, companies and for clinicians you know, for doctors, for nurses to lend their talents to giving more people access to care from home through virtual platforms. And um, the reason that I'm so excited about the, the, you know, the opportunity for me to do that is because it truly did save my life. I mean, it, 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 it if not, maybe that's hyperbolic, but you know, it, um, if not for telehealth, I would never have understood what was going on with Lyme disease. And I would have never understood why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And, you know, I may have encountered myself in a situation like yours where suddenly I'm in the emergency room and things are falling out from underneath me. And so I'm just so grateful. And I'm so happy that the work that I do every day is, you know, helping people be healthier and helping people, um, get more access to whatever care they need, whether that's mental health, which is so important right now, or behavioral health, or you know, just virtual primary care. Um, it feels really good. It feels really, really good, and like it's right. Good. I I um, I love, and I can feel it. Like when you talk about it, like I can even hear it. Like your voice changes, and your that. Um, this was a good fit to you because it aligns so much with what you feel like your purpose is. Yeah. You know, you describe yourself at the beginning as like a helper and a giver and a teacher. And like, 
I see you light up when you talk about that because I feel like you feel like you're really helping and making a difference for people. So that's very, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, thank you. I feel the same way. I, and, um, just to, to throw the compliment right back at you. I mean, I, I feel the same way about you doing this. I, I really do feel like this is like what you're meant to do is to bring out people's stories and to hold space for them. And, it's maybe this is a good transition into our conversation about yoga, but like that, you know, yeah. that's really is what yoga is about is about holding space for people to tell their stories. And, um, I'm just, I can tell that you are so thrilled to be able to do that. So, um, I'm just so happy that, that you're living that. Well, thanks. Thank you. I do have to say that, um, like when I was sick and almost lost connection, you know, finding a way to have this connection, even though I wasn't in a classroom or in a school anymore. Like I just, that's what I miss so much about being in the classroom was hearing people's stories and then helping them share their story with somebody else, you know? So like, thank you for recognizing that, I guess this is like, this has been it for me. And I just, and Plus it's, it's probably selfish. Cause I get to like reconnect with people. I know, like, which is so amazing. It's and so it's fun. It's really, it's nice. And I'm like, gosh, we just had, you know, I, I, not that I didn't realize it, but I'm realizing it more now than ever was like, is the fact that we just, we had like the most incredible childhood. I mean, we had really, I know. we had really the such special people in our lives. I know it's incredible. I was reflecting on that too. Like I was telling you, you know, over the weekend at, um, at my daughter's dance recital and just really thinking about how special it was that, you know, obviously growing up in families where, you know, your parents are supportive and, and all of that is great, but to be able to feel like you're part of a community that is, um, so supportive. And then look like, you know, decades later, here we are talking <sighs> as if, you know, we're still like backstage. Like, I just think it's, it's, um, it's so incredible to, um, and we are so lucky. Um, yeah. we are so, so lucky. Okay. So tell us about yoga. Because it's yeah. like you've created kind of that community for now your adult world. And I want to hear about it. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really, you know, um, yoga has been something that I, I quickly, you know, we graduated, right? Did dance in college. And then it was like, wow, how do I express myself? Yeah. Um, knowing that my joints are <laughs> my joints are what they used to be. And you know, my body's not what it used to be. And so yoga's kind of always been like a steady drumbeat in the background of my life. Um, and about, I guess I want to say, you know, eight, eight years ago, I decided, you know, that I really wanted to share at first I wanted to more deeply understand yoga and then I wanted to be able to share yoga. So I went to yoga teacher training, um, at a studio here called yoga one, um, my teacher, Meg Galarzas, a dear friend of mine who, you know, I talk to every day. She's the owner of the studio. She's an amazing businesswoman. Um, and so I got my, my yoga certification. I taught like all the way, you know, up until the day, you know, so I guess almost six years ago until my son was born, like literally he was born the next day. And then I took some time off 
And I feel like, um, and I think Meg would agree, you know, there's kind of this divine timing that, that some, that works in life. And, um, so last summer, um, you know, and I, and, and I've always, I guess, paired yoga with, um, community and, but, and with, you know, um, cause. And so in my early teaching days, right. I did a lot of teaching for, um, March of dimes, which was an organization, you know, that I was involved in. Um, so I think it's just a really community inherently kind of like brings people together to, to appreciate missions. And it's a natural kind of place for people to, to feel like they can talk about that. Um, so last summer Meg was like, Hey, do you want to come back and teach? And, and, and it happened to be perfect timing for me. So, um, so now I've been teaching a bunch. I teach at yoga one. Um, what I love about yoga for, you know, two things I'm really passionate about one wellness and this whole Lyme disease conversation that we've had is that it is what you make of it. And, you know, as a teacher, and I feel this and maybe, you know, I, as a former principal, like I'm sure you can kind of agree, right? Like you're really just there to hold space for people to, to reach their full potential. Totally. And, um, and how they show up is up to them on that any given day and how you respond to how they show up is, you know, different for every single student. Um, but it's a safe place. And I think that that's really important for everyone on the face of the planet is to have a safe place where they can like, you know, check in with themselves. So, um, I love to incorporate that in my classes. Obviously I love music. So like music is a huge part of, um, what I try to cultivate, right. And, and meaningful, um, meaningful songs that I feel like help, um, help hold space for people. And to be totally honest, hold space for me. Right. Because, um, it's, it's really a special connection for me. And then I like to pair yoga with driving awareness for, um, for things that I feel really passionate about. And so this was the first year and I'll continue to do it, you know, at yoga one with, um, fundraising and having a special donation-based class in May, May is Lyme disease awareness month. Um, it's also mental health awareness month. And so, um, had a really successful class at the beginning of the month on May day on May 1st. Um, so many people showed up, so many people donated, uh, blew my goal out of the water. And I've had a ton of people in my classes ask me more about Lyme disease. So it's working. Um, and just kind of, you know, ask me more about, the things that you wanted to talk to me about today, which is like, what's it like to be a mom? What, tell me about your work. Right. Like, so the connection that any sort of community builds, I think is really important. And what I, you know, it, and it doesn't matter if it's physical or virtual. Um, all we really need to do is show up for each other and, um, and listen. Show up for each other and listen. Something that I feel like without getting on my like high horse here, like, just we've like lost as a larger society right now. And I think that's the part of like this life right now that I find most exhausting is that because if we would just like hold space, listen, 
like seek first to understand and then to be understood, you know, and, and, and to some extent, this is really like trite, but like live and let live just, I, I don't know. Yeah. I completely agree with live and let live. And I, you know, as someone who, as you've just experienced on this conversation as someone who is quite verbose. Um, and I tell really long stories. I pre I so appreciate you listening and, and something that I am like, you know, really actively trying to work on in my life is being a more present listener for everyone. Um, but not to get too hippy dippy. Right. I mean, I think we can all listen in ways that don't require hour long conversations, right? It's, it's, there's, there's different ways to listen and to observe and to hear and to feel people, um, that if we all pay a little bit more attention, I think we'll, you know, we can kind of see what people are saying, saying without having to say anything at all. Um, and that's a really powerful I think way of thinking about connection is just, you know, even when someone's not saying anything at all, what, what are they trying to say? Um, and finding the right time to ask them to share. Well, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I just agree with all that a hundred percent and the, the, like, I guess, next part of it, just to connect it to motherhood, the thing that I've, realize so much in being a parent when I think about listening to is that like, sometimes I need to listen for them and realize that what I'm hearing has nothing to do with me. Yeah. It's just listening. It's listening just to observe or hold or whatever they, they need the listener to do. Like, it's just, I know, I know that's, that's such a great way of thinking about it. Do you ever feel like, um, you know, do you ever find yourself sometimes I catch myself doing this, like listening too much. And then, you know, I'm trying to be more intentional about the questions that I ask them. So do you ever find yourself being like, wow, why do I just ask you how your day was every day? Um, and, and how, how, um, how we show up for them. Do you ever like, think about that? Yeah, totally. Like 100%, especially when, I have moments where I'm making whatever emotion they have more about me than it is about them. Like, yeah, just because I'm their mother and I'm worried like, oh gosh, did I do this? Or why didn't I teach him to do that? Or what? Like they're a tiny human growing. Like they're, they're not supposed to come out knowing all the things. And sometimes even if we present our kids with, you know, the knowledge or their experience or the or what, you know, the method or technique or whatever that would help them be more successful. That's not what feels right for them. So they're going to have to struggle through to find what works for them versus what we feel like should work for them. So I feel like sometimes it's just like, I, I have realized that like very often, like for example, with my husband, sometimes I just need him to listen without giving me a solution. I just want you to listen to me. Yeah, so but- I've learned like now in our marriage, we're, we've been married for, well, almost 16 years. I will just be like, okay, when I talk to you about this, I am not in a place where I can have feedback, but I need to say it out loud. Can you just listen? Like I tell him what kind of listener I'm looking for. Right. And so sometimes now too, I've learned, I have to ask my kids, is this something you want me to just listen about and you want to talk about, or would you like my feedback? 
You know, I love that. Yeah. And then even in the feedback too, I sometimes have realized that I need to say, I need to ask them, well, how would you like, how are you thinking about solving this before I'm giving them the 10 things I want them to do to solve it? You know, or like I'm giving them three suggestions. Well, how are they going to learn to trust their own voice or their own gut if they're not learning to like sort of negotiate with themselves like we all do? I mean, I negotiate totally. with myself in my head every day, all day. Totally. So, you know, it's just like that, I guess, that awareness to, to, I don't know, take it one step further to connect with motherhood is like just that space, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I think like it's, um, that's an amazing way of thinking about raising us, you know, especially boys in this, um, society that kind of, you know, sometimes seems to celebrate like masculine, just, you know, a different kind of strength than the strength we were talking about. And what an amazing thing to model for them, right. Is like, um, communication. Yeah. And, uh, it's, you know, not to bring it back to yoga, but it's, it's kind of interesting because I, you know, I don't have a ton of male students in my classes, but the ones that I do, um, they're often the students that have the most questions after class Mm -hmm. that actually ask for help during class, you know, they'll raise their hand and be like, can you show me this? Right. And, and some of them are, you know, like very experienced yogis who still need help. And some of them are brand new to yoga and, um, to be able to see, again, you know, just, um, them, the, the vulnerability that people can exercise when you just give them the forum to exercise vulnerability, right? Like, um, it doesn't take much, but if you can get people, um, into a space where they feel safe or into a relationship or a conversation where they feel safe or just model safe behavior over and over again, um, then, you know, then they'll share and you, and, and, um, as some, you know, as two people who really like helping other people, I think that's when you really feel like, wow, I've, I've like totally done my job here. Um, as a mom, as a parent, as a teacher, as whatever, right? Like I have made you feel safe enough that you can tell me how you're feeling and without judgment um, or what you need without judgment. Yeah. Okay. I just have two more questions. One is like, your life is so full. How do you make time for all of this? Ooh, um, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think that, um, I don't really, there's moments of course, where I see work as work, but I don't really see any of it as work anymore. I have kind of, you know, one really amazing thing about the virtual society that we've kind of like unearthed in corporate America now is this capability to work from wherever you're at. Right. And so, um, what that gives me the flexibility to do is to balance, you know, what I get paid to do, um, with what I love to do with the flexibility to be able to, you know, still go to soccer or, um, swimming lessons or, you know, take a vacation and, and work from there. And so, 
Um, to me, it's about finding working smarter, not harder. Um, and every day's priorities look different. So I'm, I am the least structured person on the face of the planet. Um, you can ask anyone that's close to me. Right. And so I am, I'm not, I'm not the person that's like, all right. So every week I sit down and I, you know, I look at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I'm like, um, what am I going to do? And I don't have a planner. And I, I, you know, much to the chagrin of most people who are involved in my day-to-day life, I kind of fly by the seat of my pants every once in a while. I'll be like, okay, let's make a plan and let's stick to it. So I guess my secret is flexibility. Mm -hmm. Um, and being okay with, um, you know, being okay with being vulnerable too, right? If I haven't prepped for a meeting, which I haven't for the one that's about to happen, um, being okay with that. Right. And like, if I miss a doctor's appointment, not beating myself up for it or, um, so I'm not perfect. Um, yeah. And then, you know, late night walks with my dog every single night, um, to kind of unwind and to decompress and cause he needs exercise. And so do I, and because I love the moon. So that's how I do it all. <laughs> yeah. And I, how like- do you, Well, that's it, but it's a gift in you even saying what you just said, because I feel like if I scroll through my Instagram feed, right, what I'm drawn to is like, and it's interesting that I'm drawn to it because it's so not me, but, or often maybe what's popular right now is like everything organized and all the, yeah, like, I, I mean, the fridge is organized and the cabinets organized, and this is how you do this. And it's, it's, um, I think sometimes I trick myself into believing that the rest of the world is organized and I am the one who like, just cannot get my shit together. Like, why am I comfortable? I'm actually much more comfortable, a little loose in the turns, right? Like I want to leave some room for some spontaneity with my kids or to take 15 minutes longer on whatever I, I, you know, um, but that also does make me feel like reckless for lack of a better word sometimes, or maybe, um, like I'm not adult enough sometimes because I'm not, I don't have a color coded planner and I don't have a, I mean, clearly we have a system. We all have very busy lives and we, we make it work and get it done. So I don't want you, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I'm like, Oh, you know, F it, whatever. We're fine. That's not it at all. Um, but my life doesn't always look like what I quote unquote think it should look like in that category. Like if I can fit a workout in and like I told you this morning, if I have a tiny window and I know that like movement, I'm best when I start my day with it. Okay. Well this morning I got it in and then literally dried my sweaty hair and, you know, rinsed off and was like, okay, if like, that's what it is today, I'm going to have a not, and I'm, I'm ready to roll. We're like some people that would make them die. Like I'm going to, I have to have a, you know, I've washed my hair and sit down with my notes and do that. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to babble about it too much. Cause I know you have no, to- no, I know, I know, I know completely what you're saying It's about like slipping in things in times where, um, you feel like you can, and whether, you know, like I love driving in the car cause that's when I can call my mom or, you know, totally. call my friend or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so I think, Um, I think more people are like that than we think. 
And I think people like to glamorize, you know, the, the control that comes with organization. Yes. Um, and I'm, I have got control issues myself with other things, but like, you know, I think the more we can all kind of like let go of control and just kind of flow. Um, that's how I have managed to, you know, do all this. Totally. Yeah. Okay. And I know we have a very short window, so I'm hope I'm not asking you a big question with these last few minutes. We have. I'll, cut, I'll try and keep it tight. Okay. Um, you know, my last question is always like so much of what we spend our life working on is because we're still working on finishing, raising something that exists within us that we know needs a little help growing. So what has this journey helped you finish raising in yourself? I think it is a complete yin yang to use, you know, kind of an Eastern philosophy or a juxtaposition, if you like that word better. Um, I believe my work is, you know, I find so much fulfillment in giving and projecting and, you know, um, being there for people and teaching and, and showing up and being a good friend and whatever, um, what this journey has prompted in me and what my work continues to be is showing up for myself. Um, and, and finding, you know, first of all, recognizing the moments when I do and celebrating them. And then second of all, more holistically showing up for myself. And so I can move my body every day and feel really great about that. But like, how am I loving myself every day? And so, you know, goals like running hundred miles or running, biking or hiking 300 miles or whatever, those are personal commitments that I'm trying to make to myself to dedicate the time so that I can reflect on how I can love myself better. So not move better, but truly like, how do I show up for me? Cause I show up for so many other people all the time. So that's, that's my work. It's beautifully said <laughs> and such a great way to end today. Thank yeah. you for being with me. I oh my gosh, so much. We need to talk, um, more. I'll message you. Um, thank you for having me. I love what you're doing. And, um, I think this is so special, um, so special what you're doing with women and with just people in general. So keep it up. Okay. Well, you filled my heart and I love you. And thank you I love you me. too. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Don't forget to pop into the app and give us a five-star review. Leave a comment about why you love the show. And of course, share this episode with your friends. Also, If you're interested in my favorite leggings that I wear pretty much every day, head into the show notes and check out a link for a discount to DYI Define Your Inspiration Leggings. They're my absolute favorites. See you in two weeks for more conversations about why we love raising us.